Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. All right, Dave, welcome back to The Bowling Point. And I really do think, again, I know we always talk about the temperature in this thing. Um, we're, we're kind of moderate now. Well, you know? Yeah, but but towards the tail end of every interview, I noticed uh, it gets it's, hot. it's a little warm, but it's, it's nice to get out of the, the, the booth here. That's going right back to our roots. You know, yes. the, the first two or three uh, episodes that we did, it got so hot in the voiceover booth that the name Boiling Point came out of, actually, David Alston's head, didn't yep. it? Yeah. <laughs> out of his head. Marketing genius. <laughs> Anyway, I'm really excited today because speaking of David also, for anybody else who uh, is just tuning in right now, uh, David was our second guest on The Boiling Point. <clears throat> and uh, he's also the, the fellow who introduced me to our guest today, in fact. Uh, and he's coming all the way from uh, Boston, I believe. And uh, mm-hmm. and he was right in our uh, in our studio in, in St. John just a few months ago. Oh, uh, this has uh, become a good friend of mine, Stephen Fisher. And we're going to hear all about him uh, in just a couple seconds. And uh, uh, I'm keen for, for you to meet him uh, virtually here because there's two th- really cool things that he's up to. One is uh, him and his wife are uh, writing a very cool book called The Startup Equation. Okay. So I definitely want to talk to him about uh, about that. And the other thing is his mad passion for um, fan films. Hmm. So you might if you know fan no, films. You've just yeah. you've given you you've enlightened me. I, I ain't even aware of them. So I'm looking forward to learning more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a whole world out there of independent uh, fan producers who are producing feature films, short films, episodes of of everything from Star Wars, Star Trek, Lost, uh, Firefly. Uh, they're continuing these storylines unofficially. You know, it's just it's very similar to fan fiction. You know, and uh, Stephen's got a lot of uh, experience in that, so I'm, I'm, I'm very keen to, to chat about that. And uh, so, Stephen, welcome to the Boiling Point, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. You Great pro- to be here. You probably don't even recognize me with this raspy voice. No, no. There's you're always recognizable. It's just the level of what degree you are. <laughs> so, Steve, um, let's let's first of all just get a little bit of a bio from you, Stephen. Let us know where you're at right now. What's uh, uh, what in the world you're doing these days? And uh, then I want to launch right into the startup equation. I was I was born a curly haired, mischievous little boy in, in, on this. <laughs> on the streets of Baltimore and uh, I grew up to be a fine young man and someone who is passionate about design and uh, really anything in the creative industries. You know, for me, it's filmmaking. I'm an art. I'm, I have an artist background. I studied architecture, uh, but I really, it's funny. I took the, the longer path to that. I studied architecture, didn't become, didn't, go into the field, um, worked in technology for years and, uh, designed a lot of products. And that led me to my, my current role as a, you know, my, my day job as a career director for a, you know, big software company that does really neat things for television. And I won't really go into that there, but, uh, the vein of creativity but and leading through to my current day job, I also had a couple of startups, and I I was an I've, I'm an entrepreneur. I think once you are, you, you always are. You always kind of have it in you. I think you're wired for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just to what degree level of that, and that'll be related to the to the book project we'll talk about. Um, would you like me to kind of? Talk about the the film project and let, kind of. Let, let, let's talk about the book first, but I think it's going to be a nice natural launch in because uh, sure. a, 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 a nice theme in this podcast has really been about connecting with your tribe and your community and and, mm-hmm. and building. Um, essentially building evangelists through building friends and networks instead of always looking for customers, you know, and uh, the world of crowdsourcing and funding that you went through and building that community, working with, you know, with Fireflies, essentially Firefly fans uh, and, and, and the brown coats, it relates to business. It all comes back, you know, so uh, let's get to that next, but let's hear about this incredible book that you're working with. And I want to hear about 
everything. Like how, how you even thought about, you know, making this book, uh, sure. how you got the publisher to, to buy in, and then how the heck did you get in touch with all these incredible entrepreneurs to get the content for the book? So let her go, man. Sure, sure. So with my experience as an entrepreneur, um, you know, I, you talk about tribes, um, you know, tribes come in all shapes and sizes. You know, your tribe is your startup team. Eventually your tribe is your larger organization. Um, in the case of what we were doing, or you know, the, the, the tribe, if you will, um, of the greater entrepreneurial community uh, globally is that by the end of the decade, and I'm quoting the, um, I believe it's the Global Entrepreneurship um, Monitor. Uh, there's a couple of different sources. So by the end of the decade, you know, they, they state that one in six people will probably be an entrepreneur in some way, shape, or form. And you hear all the things on the on the news about, you know, people, you know, not going back to their jobs, doing their own thing. There are going to be a lot more freelancers. It's all, all of that in the news. But that number of one in six, if we do the math, six billion people on the planet growing to nine billion by 2050. But that's one billion entrepreneurs. That's a market you could probably sell to. Um, <laughs> So, and they're all types and, you know, in a lot, many of the startup books that are out there, uh, they focus on the tech community. They talk about just, you know, doing accelerator and that's all in this book, but it's, it's really for people that are exploring to start their own law practice, to mm. start a food truck, to do all kinds of things. You as an entrepreneur run your own production house and you know, that's your passion. And it's like, is it, is it a lifestyle business? Is it something you're going to grow and scale? You know, everything is different. And it, we want to appeal to that. And what we looked at was two parts at a macro level, the startup economies around the world have a set of common factors, government funding, universities, talent, culture, uh, create creative class, a lot of things at different levels and at different capacities and at what makes certain things and investors as well that make certain things more successful than others and for various uh, reasons. So we looked at that and we looked at the forces that are changing over the next decade, really changing us. Things like, um, like a new work order of how we work, different generations. We're also looking at how the, the world is using the maker movement and 3d printing and internet of things like technologies that are really changing the fact you know, how we work and how we live. And the fact that you have a supercomputer essentially in your pocket now is really transformative to think about. So we looked at what are the startups that are being successful? What is the things that are common elements and elements derived into an equation? And that being like the entrepreneur, the team, funding, all these different functions that allow for a business to become successful. Not guaranteed, but it really seemed to be the, these common threats. And within that, we looked at the factors and other elements in the equation. And that became the basis for the book. And as we looked at that, we went to publishers and we we got a lot of interest in different ways. Um, I think the one that McGraw Hill really got our vision. It's a highly visual book. Another thing that I've always seemed to be challenged with when I look at a lot of these books is there's 200 pages of text, um, nothing for you to actually figure out and not something that you can visually kind of absorb because hmm. you could, like they say, a picture's worth a thousand words. You could write a 10,000 page book or you could write a 275 page book with 140 gra visual graphics and sketch notes and concepts that are also, you know, tied to cases, stories and just good old fashioned advice. And we also brought in about 40 entrepreneurs. We could have <laughs> this book could have been all of that. I mean, there's so many people we'd love to talk to. And they're in the book in, you know, various parts, people that are like Mr. Alston, who you mentioned that he's in the marketing section because he's a guru. So, you know, he worked, he scaled a startup with his friends uh, all the way up to a, a multi, you know, hundred million dollar acquisition by Salesforce. So that, you know, same with uh, his Marcel, the CEO is also in the book. There's, 
lots of entrepreneurs from all different walks of life uh, globally, uh, different countries who have done different things. So what we want to do is we want to create a global appeal to a book that might be initially put in the U.S., but people all over the world can take with them and hopefully learn something and help make their business successful. And that's kind of the startup equation. Excellent. So, Stephen, just a point of clarification for me. Is the book, is it out right now, or is it It sounds like it's on the way to being published? Or Yeah, we're in the, it's, it'll be out. Um, right now it's set for the fall, uh, but I believe that might be pushed um, based on printing uh, turnaround. Okay, okay. And then and what you did, and you guys, so you came up with the concept with your wife. Did I hear that correctly? Yes, my co-author is my wife. How she is amazing. Tell me about working with your wife, because I work with my wife occasionally on projects, and uh, everyone has a different experience. How was that for you guys? I know this is going a little bit off track here, but I'm just curious. No, no, it's actually quite relevant because it's you know we could have a whole uh, you know you should interview me and Janae on you know on spouses working it. I mean, yeah. Oh, that, that, that's big because it, it, it can be it can go famously or it can be really a disaster. So, <laughs> yeah. so what, how how did you guys survive or, I mean, or thrive? I, was, well, I, I, I would step back and say like I've had work. You know, they say don't don't hire friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree in the for the most part. You know, because I've had that happen in previous businesses I've had. But I would say that the reason this 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 has been successful uh, a couple things. Um, I like my wife. And I enjoy being with her. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, well, I mean, we think about it too. It's like we're best friends. Right. So we have. She's she's also an artist. She's trained her her background and education uh, is as an opera singer, and she's a you know one of the creative most creative people I've ever met. And she also teaches entrepreneurship. She ran her own entrepreneur organizations. So not only is it's like she's got the passion for this she's got the background for it but she also brings a dimension as having written she's done two books on her own before this they were self-published uh, one was called the hundred dollar business or how to start your business with hundred dollars this was before hundred dollar startup book that chris killabo wrote <laughs> so you know she wrote the original one i would say and uh that brought her a lot of um a lot of a lot of praise a lot of you know and that was a sheer will willful passion because it's self-published and market and she's she did very well with the book and she wrote a follow-up book on how to start a revolution and it was about social revolutions and the movements especially as the spring was going on and that you know the lessons learned from marketing and publishing i i was very adamant about if i was going to ever write a book i wanted a publisher and you learn there's there's good and bad in both and We've had an amazing editor and publisher, and the experience of the reach we'll have um, is great. And working with her has been awesome. We've—I will not lie—we've we have our tense days because it's like trying to get things on deadline. But as a you know, someone who's a designer, and we have graphic designers, I'm able to take on the art direction. So we both know that this book individually probably could not have been done by us but together because of our respective skills and our balance and our assignment of things we it it actually was able to be done and that's something we're definitely proud of and 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 ready to readily readily admit well i need you so i'm here and there's you know it is a great strategic partner who happens to be someone your your life partner and and one of your best friends i mean so she brings yeah that's great um so and and the the big thing is you know you got people like david alston you mentioned and others uh, i'm sure some Mm -hmm. amazing people to to participate um you know who what are some examples of people that that maybe the audience that's listening to this would have heard of and and how did did you get them involved like how did you get them to participate well a lot of them were i would say friends uh you know they were like you know and then the, when they hear about the book i mean it was definitely like interviewed for a book of course sweet yeah. <laughs> um especially when it was down about you know because they they've lived a lot of things and you know they make it interviewed for their company and for press, but to really share experiences. This is a way to, to mentor with, you know, indirectly. And I think that was a really, uh, it was a, t- it was a touchstone in the way we, um, we came across with this. It's like, you know, you're going to reach out, you're going to reach, you know, m- m- millions of people, we hope. I mean, our goal 
um, you know, is to help um, one million. We have we have a one one. <laughs> this is all this one one M and one M. One million entrepreneurs with one million copies. So we want to help that happen globally. Nice. And, I, we haven't put a date on it. Could be you know five years, ten years. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not going to be like six months. But it's like I, we, that's something that we want to evangelize. I mean, that can change people in towns and country. You know, it, it's it's a transformative way of something you can leave. And you know, people we've got in here. We have people from well-known um, investors like Brad Feld. Uh, we've got people that are really well, great analysts like Brian Solis, who is one of the foremost, I would say, leading people in like, like the trends of marketing and he's a thought leader, just how businesses work. Um, we've got a bunch of entrepreneurs, uh, who have done, so we've got a co- some co-working spaces from New Orleans and, uh, Philadelphia. We've got, uh, you know, a couple people from, Germany. We got a, a uh, I got a, a really good friend who runs a, a design shop in uh, Barcelona and Madrid, and he's he's also in there. We have people that are started a this Roxy's Grilled Cheese, which is a local um, food truck, and it's going into its own restaurant. He was a uh, he did a startup program, an entrepreneurship program, at Emerson, where my wife teaches. A couple years before that, he won the competition. He had no entrepreneurial experience, but he was like, you know, music promotion. He was a musician, but this thing took off and it's rolling. And we've got uh, people from a couple of people from India who have um, been growing the communities there. Uh, Create a friend from Russia who's uh, here now, but he's also worked on one of the most, uh, probably one of the most well-known. So one of the other crowdfunding programs, like um, it's called Rocket Hub, and they they along with like Indiegogo and uh, Kickstarter are like the the main push for crowdfunding and crowdsource uh, you know products or, or and, uh, things. So yeah, we have all walks of life, and yeah, so. It's, it's really cool. And here's the other thing. Now, we don't want to give away everything because we want a million entrepreneurs to buy this book as I lose my voice. Sorry, Steve. No. Can, can, you, can you give us a, a, at least a few uh, parts of the equation? <laughs> you know, like don't sure. give away the whole equation, but w- what are some of the, uh, the, the strands and some of the, uh, you know, some of the patterns that you're that you're finding as you interview these uh, these people? Okay, so one of the a couple, just a couple of things to, to touch touch upon. Uh, we have we've put together within the framework of the equation elements for each one, and that has led us to create a kind of table of elements. It's it's a it's a breakthrough. We think a breakthrough chart that I can't, that I can't wait to share with people. Um, but within that, what you what you think about is the entrepreneur. Obviously, is the you know the start of that equation, and then that means like what kind of type of entrepreneur are you? Uh, you are you a, a leader? Are you like a, you know, a marketer? What kind of person are you? And then what kind of, you know, what, what's your approach to things? The lifestyle is a huge scale, a billion dollar company. If you think about the, another couple things, one of the things that's resonated with a lot, with many people I've, I've talked to in the interviews is one of the big things that caused their success or a catalyst for the success with their team. And that beyond if they were to strip everything away is, is, is probably one of the most important elements or functions of the equa- of an equation of a, of a successful startup. You know, one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about in books is culture, you know, the kind of culture you create and that goes beyond like free sodas or free lunch, but it's the values and the mission you know, you can have a great space. You want to have those things, but they're, they're the additive things. But then there's the core that you create an environment that not only wants the people to work, come to work, but really to make change and, and really transform. And that that motivation really creates a bond beyond just, you know, the startup itself, but the growth of a, of a company. The uh, One of the things that we've really, you know, we get to, we talk about marketing and sales. We talk about, we cover all the funding, we cover all those things. But one of the things that, uh, that you might read in other kinds of books is what we, we've termed the X fact, the exponents, the X factor, 
they're the exponential things that run throughout an equation or the formative stages of the book, which are, you know, three stages, which is building the foundation, you know, essentially crafting the experience and then growing the dream. So those are the three parts of the, of the framework as you evolve as a, as a startup, but the X factors run throughout. And you think about it, great successful entrepreneurs, people you've met, people you've come across, even yourselves, it's like passion, determination, drive. These are, these are things that people can't really, you can't put a, a thing on or a do, you're doing something, you just, you have it. If you can even acquire some of it maybe, but you really have to recognize if you do or don't and what you have. And those things can take a startup from great idea, cool little prop, minimum viable product, which I kind of hate the name. I'm, we call it minimum desirable product because it shouldn't just be viable. It should actually be usable. And we look at that as that's the stuff that differentiates the, 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 the startups from the superstars. And yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm just, I'm just, as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking of, oh, I can't wait to read this, by the way. <clears throat> and I'm so glad and to, to hear that you're bringing in the X factor, right? Because, um, and I'm just thinking from a, from a coaching perspective, right? When we, when I, yes. you know, when I'm coaching, uh, especially an entrepreneur or a leader of in, in, in any regard, in any industry, um, uh, the more, the more, you know, passion they are about their, the idea, the concept, the business, um, I mean, that's, that's, and, and if they have a clear vision, right. And they've developed yeah. the mission, um, and understand the values and the culture they want to have. I mean, my personal belief, um, is that that's what will, you know, the, through the rocky times, that, that's the foundation that will get them through. That's the stuff that'll, that'll stabilize it and, and make, make all the difference. So, so you actually, so you actually really tie into this is what you're saying as, 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 as part of the equation. Yeah, it's actually like the last chapter that kind of like it's kind of like a almost like a capstone. Cool. To, to a degree because that that's the thing that kind of you look back upon everything else and it should make you really think about it and motivate you. Um, you know, one of the people that is it is in that chapter is a good friend of mine who his name's Jonathan Fields. He's fairly well known in many circles. He he's got an amazing story. Um, I will save it all for the book, but he was a corporate lawyer and he left everything to start a yoga studio. He lives in New York. He li he's in New York city. And the day that this, the yoga studio opened was nine 11, oh 2001. And it was, you know, the fear he's written a couple of books on fear and overcoming fear. And, you know, he's just a motivational powerhouse. He has a great video podcast called, um, the good life project. Okay. And he asks a question of everyone at the end. And he's like, what is a good life? And, uh, you know, I've also had to ponder that, you know, as well when I, when I've been the people he's interviewed and, um, you know, the one thing that I will, I will offer from the book, you know, he, I asked him the question, I turned it on him and I asked him, what would you consider a good life? He's like, to go out there and create, I'm going to read from the book. It's like to go out there and create something that represents what you believe and taps the fullest amount of your potential to do what you need to do to build the practices and the strategies into your life that allow you to spend substantial amounts of time living with uncertainty. Nothing gets created without going to that place. It just doesn't happen. Oh. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah. no, but you know what, you know what I like about that? That's where the passion, but the discipline, right? I mean, there's, like, there's two pieces of that, isn't there? Wow. Um, holy, this is, you know, I, and you mentioned discipline. I don't even know if that, see, see, that's the beauty of this. So the, the point of this book is this is, a, or when you see the elements laid out the way they, in a, in a the table, when you see everything laid out, this is an organic book. The whole point is that this is, think of this as a science experiment and a, and a, and a way to create a baseline. And what we want to do is, put this out to the world and it's like, all right, have we, we, we can't have every, like, what do we miss? Or what are the things? And look at where, what, what will, what will that equation or those, and those elements look like in five years? You know, what are those things that will be different and what will we need to add to it? So it's, yeah, ever, ever, absolutely. What's, um, what would you say, uh, one of the biggest aha moments were, was, uh, for you and Janae when you were interviewing some of these amazing people, <clears throat> did you learn anything new in this experience? Uh, you know, a anything that really uh, turned the light bulb on for you, Steven? Oh, wow. Um, that's a great question. Um, 
Gosh, each person just their perspectives just really. There were so many. There's many aha moments. I I think what it really did for me was it did two things. It made me realize that as much as we might compare Silicon Valley to this city or that city and all these places, that the the planet is is the planet. People are all trying to do something that they love or they want to, and they want to create something. And where their location is may make things harder or a little easier, maybe make things, you know, different. But what it is is that they all um, – they all want to provide for their families. They want to leave something great. They want to do something that has impact. And for them, it can be of any size or shape. And I think that was something that when I hear that, and I think other people need to hear that, I think that's, that's definitely a motivating factor in why this book needed to be written and needed to be out there needs to be out there. And it's really interesting that you, that you mentioned like the creative experience that so many of us, I know entrepreneurs and artists, uh, you know, we're in the business of creating stuff from scratch. It's what we do. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder if it's a, if it's, if it's part of our human DNA to feel like we need to create, we, we need to contribute to the planet, to our, to our human condition. And that's why we are evolving as a species because every generation is creating, 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 building. And, um, you know, I, I've never really looked, looked at it that way that part of the equation of, of us as entrepreneurs is the fact that we've got a burning desire to create, to make the world a better place, maybe to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, create something so we can provide for our families in a better way, uh, all that sort of thing. So this is actually a really nice segue into you as a person, Stephen, and, and your creative outlet. And I think it ties in really nicely with how you ended up becoming, uh, you know, an author of, a, of such a cool book, like Startup Equation. Let's go back a little bit and talk about your passion for Firefly, and you may have to educate the world about what Firefly is. I mean, yeah. just, just a little bit quick, because it's really nice to get context behind who you are. Besides somebody who's gone through a few startups and works in the tech field, let's hear a little bit about you know the core of Stephen Fisher through this experience, because <laughs> this is this is you got you turned me into into a brown coat. <laughs> Explain what all that is to the people who have no idea what we're talking about. The evangelism continues as <laughs> as far as they would say we aim to misbehave um <laughs> so all right so my passion revolved around uh filmmaking and and always you know photography just i've loved filmmaking always and i've you know it's one of those things it's like is he, do you do it as a hobby or full-time job it's like it gets it's consuming as i know greg would relate to and it is something i always wanted to do so to, to step back and it's interesting that this book if we were to do the film now, and I will talk about, you know, another project related to this, uh, that it's interesting where what's happening now, because where we are with crowdfunding and social media and all the tools that are out there in 2014 versus where they were in 2008. So 2008 was a interesting year for many people, especially economically. Um, so many 401ks became 201ks. A lot of, uh, a lot of people, you know, lost job. A lot of things were going crazy, but, uh, you know, it was that time I was, I, I, I had a lot of friends that, and we were, we were all fans of the sci-fi and, um, I went, I would I'd gone to a few, what are called cons or conventions, sci-fi conventions. And this is a, this is a specific genre of, you know, in a community, you know, talk about your tribe. I mean, this is like, boy, you talk about a tribe. There are tribes within tribes. There are tribes who like Star Wars and there are tribes who like Star Trek. There are tribes who like Babylon. And these are all sci-fi things. And if you don't have a reference, go look it up on IMDb. I would offer to you, um, those in the audience. But there was this one show called Firefly and it came out in 2002 and it was uh, Fox produced it. They brought it out and the episodes were out of order and they canceled it within 10 episodes. There were about 13 episodes. It was done by Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, um, I always say Buffy the Vampire Slayer because everyone's like knows that. He's done a lot of other things. You may have heard of the Avengers. Um, so now he's a lot more well-known. 
But there's a whole community and tribe called, you know, the, the, the Whedonites. These are people who love Joss Whedon because there's a certain um, design to the, to the writing. His, you know, and you see that in, if you are a Joss Whedon fan and you follow the stuff and you, you see that emerge in the Avengers. And there's a reason that's, you know, people have been around. But Firefly was essentially set in the 25th century. People had left Earth. They created all these planets, terraformed them, and you essentially had what what it came to be a core planet set that was very advanced and an outer set of planets that were very rural and, and, and basically the frontier. So it's, it's hilarious. It's spaceships with cowboys. It's like horses. And, and it was, it's such a beautiful juxtaposition of technology where it came from was that Joss Whedon had read the book fallen angels and fallen angels was about the civil war reconstruction. So the thing was essentially based on a couple years prior to this, this, beginning of this series, there was a, a war for independence. People on the outer planets wanted to be live free, be, be free and not be under control, but basically it's a totalitarian, totalitarian state or, you know, government. And this was a government that was comprised of the, you know, all the countries of the world, but it just fused into just, you know, evil, bad people. Um, Things that I loved about it, especially the the cow, you know, the, the cowboys and spaceships part, but that these were this was a crew, and the beauty of, beauty of of this type of filmmaking is he puts together these people, and it creates a like a sense of family, and they're all from weird backgrounds and walks of life, and it, I would implore you if you haven't seen it at this point, just find it. It's free on something, and you can. It's on Netflix. It's on that 13, 13 episodes. And then they made a film in 2005. So it created a huge following people like in terms of cult status. So like Star Trek was canceled in about two and a half seasons. And obviously we know that's kind of popular. Um, you know, so there's that cult status and the people who are really into it are called brown coats. And that's because the independence in the film, the people wore brown coats. The main character who was in the war and his first mate were Malcolm Reynolds were in the war and they lost. And as he says, the, the, we were on the losing side, not necessarily the bad side. It was like, it's, it's a, their whole thing is about just surviving and being free and continuing to stay that way. So the the, shit, the the show got such a huge following that Universal made a film in 2005 called uh, Serenity. The film did pretty well. It broke even. It did fine, but not enough to like continue. But people still want it. And just you know, I think it. Who knows? It may come back one day. And then what we're gonna you know essentially you know wanted was more content, more film. And in 2008. Um, you know, I met some people and I, I was, I was looking at all these, these films, they were called fan films. People cannot make money off of these projects like Star Trek, Star Wars, obviously, unless you license the property. So they're doing this out of a labor of love. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you know, YouTube is starting to emerge. Um, things are, you know, starting to happen with a lot of technology. There was a Star Wars film that came out that was made for about $25,000. It looked like a $120 million film. So there's a lot of things that were starting to be like, we could make really good stuff for, you know, the price of it, you know, running the theater. So we looked at, you know, I looked at around and I see Star Trek films and all kinds of, and, and many of them are not of great quality. I mean, the Star Wars, you know, a lot of videos, if you look on YouTube of Star Wars fan films, you'll see two guys in the state park with their bathrobes and their lightsabers Rotos- and they'll rotoscope it in After Effects and uh, play like, you know, the, the Duel of Fates. Like, you know, so it's like, that's one kind of fan film. Other fan films are, you know, there's a quality and score production you know, and then people really do their best with it. So I looked around, I saw Star Wars, I see all these big ones and I'm like, wow. And I was talking to the guy, one of the guys at the Star Trek who's a friend and I'm like, dude, you guys have like 10 films and five shows and a cartoon like, why don't you make stuff for us? And in brown coats. And he's like, well, why don't you? And I'm like, well, maybe I will. And <laughs> that kind of started a whole pathway of it. Um, one of the things that I started to look at was scripts and a friend that submitted. And I eventually came to have a friend of mine 
came on the on project. Obviously, there's no way I could do this alone. And he he was a force of nature. His name is Mike Darty. Mike was a huge brown coat and a talented writer. And he came across with some ideas. We started to work on a treatment, and we took the kind of the slow road. Like, all right, let's come up with the story structure of the treatment. And you know, he really had a you know passion to write it. And I'm like. I'm going to do this thing. Come on with, you know, like I need somebody to help me. And we became co-creators on this project and we tested it out with a table read. People came from like three, I lived in Maryland at the time, three or four different States. And they came from all over the 80 people came just an invite on Facebook. We put the, we had created a group on Facebook and we got everybody to do a table read and read their parts. And we realized we had something really something pretty cool. And we then looked into like, okay, we started to audition people and we, we created a nonprofit. And this is the interesting part. We created a nonprofit that allowed for, because we couldn't license the property. We, we couldn't afford to license Firefly, but we couldn't afford to pay for the, the film, you know, to do a, a real quality production. So we're like, let's give it away. And the model came to be, all right, well, we can't just, you know, we could pick charities. We could be, you know, different nonprofits have different models, but we could do the charities. So we selected five charities and those five charities were the charities supported or created by the, the original cast and creator of Firefly. So what it became was a model that not only motivated the fans because, but it also motivated the, the actors who were willing to help or participate or do things because it's a, you know, they're not only their cause, but it was something that, you know, was, these fans made these people famous. So, you know, so Steve, instead of, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the original cast and creator saying, why are these guys ripping off our, our concept? Now you've engaged them because you're not making money off of it. You're supporting their charities and you're continuing a legacy. That is correct. And through the and uh, you know through the experience of it by creating the nonprofit, we got you know Nathan's Fillings Education Charity, Disney to Read, Joss Whedon's mother's uh, created a charity, pretty well known, um, you know, called uh, Quality Now. We had a number of other charities, and what this did, you know, people like Adam Baldwin, they cam people cameoed in the film, and when when we did the the auditions, we found a lot of great you know regional talent. And they waved, they, some of them were SAG and they waved their SAG. And then we also needed people to help with the film. And we basically put a call out. People flew in from all over the country to be, to be in the filming, to be extras. People, you know, lent their skill sets is from everything, graphic design, film editing. We got someone, and this is 2008, to donate a Red One camera to us for the filming to use that was pretty awesome. So we shot it in 4k natively, which was awesome. <laughs> and that was my, you know, in terms of the quality that we were now able to do, we also, because we're a nonprofit and we, we got status really fast, which was, we think because there were brown coats at the IRS. <laughs> they, they may like, they may not like some of the liberal or, or conservative organizations, but they really do like Firefly. And they got us, we got our, our approval in like four, four months, which could take like two years. So it allowed us to go at sponsors. We got a company to a foundation to, they have a real estate company, give us space, um, and uh, they basically gave us like 16,000 square feet of space. Um, and we essentially were able to shoot on site at a Western theme park. We got tons of materials donated, old light. We, so 200 people. So essentially it came to be 200, I'm sorry, 180 people volunteered for about 220 different roles that we have, you know, we created a whole MDB credit, you know, everyone's got an IMDB, you know, credit. We are, you know, obviously authentic produced film, but the beauty of it is, is that this was all crowd. These things didn't exist like uh, Kickstarter or, you know, I should have thought like, if we did this, we should have done Kickstarter, or, like should have built a Kickstarter, but Indiegogo, these places didn't exist. And over the course of three years, so the first year was pre-production, second year was filming, editing, and then the, we launched it and to a huge success at Dragon Con. And then um, we essentially were, we were able to raise, this is the best part. So our goal was about 400 some thousand dollars. 
No, I'm sorry, five hundred thousand for five. You know, five charities. Uh, we raised about a hundred and fifty, and you know, we sent one of the charities does college funds. We sent a couple. You know, we know we sent a couple kids to college. We gave helped kids get books and libraries. I mean. The, the Firefly, we made this movie, basically fans made this film for them, you know, for us, by us, for us. But at the same time, we did something that touched lives and created new content and created something of a universe that we loved. And we based on a whole new crew that was set after the film. And it, we got a, and the best part is we got an email. We, Mike, it's a great story. It's not for this podcast, but how Mike got in touch with Joss Whedon because his name is exactly like one of the guys that wrote X-Men 2. So I think they thought it was him trying to call Fox. But he got through. We got a, we got a letter, uh, an email from Joss that couldn't speak for, you know, universal but he was very cool with it and mike eventually got that signed and you know we had people that really were behind the effort and you know by 2010 you know i had i had time to move on with the project um he uh he continued to move on and continued to work you know through the we had about a year um we got Fox came in and decided after they approved it verbally, and we got all the approvals that they decided they didn't want. We negotiated that, and that was a year of um, raising money, and that was the limit we had. Now you can't really get the DVD uh, unless you really ask me nicely. Um, and, and <laughs> which, which I, I still haven't received yet because. But, but Mike, what it, what it did, it approved a model that didn't exist before. People had done charity work and you know done documentaries and things for causes. But no one had really, really done anything of this magnitude, and especially of this size of a fan film. And it, we talked at a, a conference here in the United States called South by Southwest in March, which is a hilarious segue because that was I, I spoke that day. It was the last time I talked about the film, kind of like in a shared thing with Mike. And you know, Mike was the director. Mike did an amazing amazing job over the years. He was, this film obviously wouldn't have been made without him. I mean, he was a force of nature and I'm grateful for that. And, you know, one of the things that was hilarious to me is at 11 o'clock in the morning I spoke and then I went to say goodbye to friends and I met my future wife at 1 PM. So if you look <laughs> up a chapter of your life closing and a new chapter opening, that, that that is awesome, Steve, and a nice way to cycle it back to the beginning of our conversation. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, uh, one thing I want to add is that Mike has gone on to do a zombie film. So he's kept the the, the big, it's called Big Damn uh, Big Damn Films instead of Big Damn Fan Films, but Big Damn Films, and it's a nonprofit model. But he's doing his own content. But he's using you're gonna love this. He's using Indiegogo. He's using the tools now that we started with. So he's and he's doing amazing stuff and I'm very so proud of him and he's just no. Anyway, but yeah, it's a segue. I met my wife, which is awesome. <laughs> well, so, and, yeah. and actually, one of the comments I was just thinking of as I'm listening to it is that clearly the X factor was involved in the success here, right? That you talked about earlier. Oh yeah, I mean the passion, determination. I mean, and there were times. I mean, I was like scared out of my mind. I mean, the the, the thing that and you talk about balance, like working creatively with my wife has been kind of a, it's been a blessing, and it's been this amazing ride. And I think about. Mike, I'm, I was, I learned a lot about myself being not, you know, not too cautious. I was always the planner. Um, and always trying to make sure the shoot is packed. Oh, I need to repack the shoot. Or maybe the shoot's not right. I need to repack the shoot, but I never really get in the, get in the airplane and actually jump to see if the shoot works. <laughs> Whereas Mike, I always love to tell this analogy because it's so true. Mike is the one that's like going to base jump and he's like, I'm uh, just going to run. Dude, I'm the guy that's like grabbing his shirt. Dude, you need to shoot. And so together he's like, and then he'll grab me and go, all right, let's go. So there was this balance of like keeping the structure, but yet, you know, building the bike, I'm building the bike, but he's continuing to make us run the race. So it was this, at times it it, it had its challenges, but in the end it's like, you know, it was an, Amazing. Well, uh, two very good examples of partnerships at work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, Steve, this is amazing. Our time's coming up to an end, but wh yeah. what a nice cycle, though. Your experience creating uh, creating this fan film uh, and getting the community involved. You said you had people from all over the United States fly and volunteer yeah. their time. It, because they all believed in the same thing. We're talking about, you know, building companies 
and uh, you know uh, startup uh, you know and, and bringing community in to support that it's a mirror image you know if, if you have that passion that drive and are connecting with other people in, in your extended tribe who want to see the same product or service be built you bring them in you know get them involved is, it, is that kind of a, uh, a little bit of a message that you say is part of your equation with uh, making this film yeah, I mean, with the film, <clears throat> I would say that the tribe that came together to make this film, you know, they came from physically and, and digitally, <clears throat> excuse me, from all over. And, you know, the tribe came together to make this a reality because it couldn't have been made without all of them. And, you know, with the book, it's it's a bit of an inverse. We, we got our, our tribes together to collectively put together something that we could hopefully build a bigger tribe. This is awesome. Okay, Steve, how do, how do people follow you? How do people find out more about the book when it's released? Uh, any sure. Twitter, any websites? Uh, just, yeah, share anything with us. Uh, StartupEquation.com is not up yet, but it will be. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Stephen Fisher. S-T-E-V-E-N-F-I-S-H-E-R is probably the easiest way. Um, I'm on LinkedIn too, but that's, you know, in terms of activities, but will be putting all of that, you know, out, but that's uh, the place to start. Well, for, for our listening audience, stay tuned because Stephen and I are actually pitching some shows based around the whole concept of fan films. So you and I might be that partnership sometime in the near future, Stephen. <laughs> I hope so. You, 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 will ha- you have, as you know, Stephen, a guy in a partner of Greg with tons of passion for filmmaking and storytelling. Hey, can I ask, can I ask a final question? Um, I was thinking, uh, uh, Stephen, of your. You, you mentioned jo- is it Jonathan Fields is the guy the the corporate yes. lawyer? What, yeah, and 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 that question that he would end with, and I'm was it is what is a good life? Is that what, what is the a question? Good life? Yeah. So yeah. let's 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 end with that question to you. I will. Uh... I will dedicate that to Jonathan. So if you let, if you have a chance to listen to this, I will point to him. He can, I can, uh, we will riff off of him, but I will, I would say a good life is, um, smiles. Good life is when you come home and you see your wife or you see your child and you see your dog and you realize that all the other things that people you know, demand of you or the things that people make important are really not. And the people that matter bring you a smile to your face or you create a product or do something that changes people and you see their reaction and their passion for a film that they enjoyed working on or doing something or they just love watching and they smile. So for me, a good life is smiling and making people smile. Nice. Love it. Steven, thanks so much, man. Many, many, many thanks. And uh, we'll be in touch soon. So uh, Dave and I are just going to do a little recap. So we'll say goodbye. And uh, we're really, really excited to hear about the book and read the book when it comes out. And we'll push it very hard well, as soon I, as it happens. And, I, and, I, and in terms of being an evangelist, I mean, I may become a brown coat now based on... Uh, you will yeah. become... You are a brown coat. You don't even know it yet. <laughs> you <laughs> and you also, if they, people want to pre-order, they can, they can get on Amazon and look up Startup Equation. That's on Amazon. Awesome. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Have a great day, man. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. That was good, huh? Yeah. Okay. It's it's neat because most of our interviews so far um, have been quite similar, you know, in in the format of how we do it. Uh, And usually, you know, we stick on one topic. This one I knew was going to have a dual purpose, but it actually tied in really nicely at the end. Way, yeah. Because, you know, I, I knew the story about how he, he, he put uh, <clears throat> this film together and how people from all over North America came because they all wanted it to happen. So how relatable is that with products and services that we built as, as, as entrepreneurs? Like we're obviously building something that other people want and people will support you in bringing that product to life. You know, if, if if you embrace your potential customers as part of your tribe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it can, I mean, I mean, and that happens in so many ways, right? I mean, you think of the people who refer business to you are, are just, in a way, inviting other people to that community that your business is part of, right? Or, you know, in terms of what, you, what you know, service you're delivering, you know? I mean, so it can happen in so many different ways. I, I you know, what I found interesting is uh, a, a bunch of things, but one of them was... Um, 
you know, one in six people becoming, you know, seen as an entrepreneur. And it just makes me, my mind kind of goes wild with that, thinking, well, what's causing that? And how exciting is yeah. that? We're at a place now where, you know, maybe globally, not just in North America, that can, that's possible. And, and, you know, and I, and I, Man, I want to see this equation. I want to. I'm very curious. I, can't I love wait. the X factor, yeah. you know. And then, and then his his uh, his answer at the end, very well thought out. And I mean, that's a you know, I kind of have a sense he's sitting in his probably in his home office right now, looking and saying, you know, this is what a good life is, right? Exactly. And what a good closing question that is, too. Get up. Oh man. Well, maybe that's the new one. Eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Borough, I want to, and I want to learn. I want to know more about this guy, Jonathan Fields. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And maybe he'll be our next podcast there we go. Uh, guest. Love it. Okay, so Dave, because um, uh, the throat is getting raspier, the voice is getting raspier, why don't you do the closeout? Invite people to... Uh, oh, yeah. well, so you know what? I'm <laughs> going to get you to do it, and I'm going to listen intently. So for the next one, okay. I am going to. Because you know what? I've always been impressed how you wrap them up, and I and I haven't paid attention. Okay, let, let me go jazzy again. Okay. But I won't do it jazzy, but I'm just... just... you got to do it jazzy. Okay, jazzy. Thank you to our listening audience for tuning in to the Bowling Point podcast. Uh, today was a very inspirational discussion with brown coat uh, extraordinaire Stephen Fisher uh, please connect with us Twitter at Bowling Point Pod Facebook <laughs> and check out our website too www.boilingpointpodcast.com yeah baby and uh, hey go to iTunes subscribe and, and rate us we need ratings uh, follow and you know share this with other people that you think uh, could you know be inspired by the conversations that we have uh, we do, you know, we're, you know, Dave and I are selfishly doing this because we're learning a lot of really neat things with the guests that we're talking to, but we want, you know, the, the, the true altruistic point of this whole podcast is to share these conversations with others. So, you know, please share and rate. And let us know how we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Let us know how we're doing. Yeah. See, oh. now, now the formula is to date, you do the end. So I don't know, man. I don't know if we're going to give that up. Okay, well, you know, maybe, Cause cause you do may, so may, well. maybe I'll throw a thing of water in your face as, as, a, as a pattern disruptor. <laughs> no, pattern interruption. Interruption. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll see you next week. Right, thanks, buddy. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter, at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.